Hello, my name is Richard Hurley, the BMJ's Features and Debates Editor. With the excesses of Christmas and New Year behind us, this week's Head to Head takes a sober look at whether charity campaigns that encourage people to pledge a month's abstinence from alcohol in January are worth it. Alcohol Alcohol Concern has a campaign called Dry January and Cancer Research UK has the similar Dryathlon. I'm joined today um, by Ian Hamilton, who's a lecturer in the Department of Health Sciences at York University, who has an interest in the relationship between substance use and mental health, and Ian Gilmore, a hepatologist and professor at Liverpool University. Ian Gilmore, can you quantify for us um, what alcohol-related harm, uh, levels of alcohol-related harm in this country, please? I certainly can, and I think the, the key point is that alcohol-related harm and indeed mortality is rising year on year and has been for the last 50 years in line with our increasing consumption and and our increasingly unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Uh, I think most um, frontline doctors would agree that that we could close our A&E departments at 9 p.m. almost if it it wasn't for for alcohol. Uh, Cirrhosis deaths, of which 80% are due to alcohol, are, are rising faster than any other chronic disease in this country. So at a time when um, uh, death rates from heart disease, for example, are falling, uh, deaths from, from alcoholic liver disease are, are rising. Um, so you know, we really do have a problem with alcohol. There's a debate to be had how best to deal with it. And I know that the, there are nanny state arguments and so on that we'll probably come to. But I don't think that the the, the problem facing us is under any serious dispute. And Ian Hamilton, in case listeners don't um, know about these campaigns, these charity campaigns, could, could you briefly just explain how they work? Yes, I mean, the Dry January campaign, as the name would suggest, um, asks people to sign up to a, a month's free or uh, abstaining from alcohol for January. So it's promoted by Alcohol Concern, it's backed by Public Health England um, and widely communicated through social media and the press. And it would appear it's a very popular campaign with um, estimates of over 2 million people taking part and really just testing themselves out to see if they can do without a drink uh, for one month. And of course, it's no coincidence it's in January when most of us sign up to New Year's resolutions or decide that we're going to make some kind of change in our life. So it neatly fits with that traditional period of uh, testing ourselves in all sorts of ways. But Dry January obviously concentrates on uh, giving up alcohol. Uh, Ian Gilmore, the the UK's um, chief medical officers today have issued new guidelines on alcohol. Do, Do these include a recommendation for a month's abstinence a year? Uh, no, they don't. And interesting enough, at the uh, at, at, at a meeting yesterday, when stakeholders stakeholders were being briefed, uh, that very question was asked. And uh, I wasn't on the panel, but the response from the panel was, "Well, maybe they that should have been considered." But the evaluation of Dry January by Public Health England, uh, where they showed that something like 67% of of people had um, had reduced their alcohol consumption six months on after dry January, that information wasn't available. And the chair of the CMO guideline group did say that perhaps that's something that should be looked at uh, in the future. 
And so what, could you just summarise your, your feelings towards dry January and dry athlon, Ian Gilmore? You, you think they're a good thing? Well, I think, I, 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 you know, I'm a great supporter of Cancer Research UK and hence uh, I, you know, of triathlon. But I think there's a very clear distinction between triathlon and uh, dry January. Triathlon is about getting sponsored, uh, raising money for cancer research uh, by staying dry for a month. And there's a kind of element in that of maybe, uh, uh, you know, celebrating when you get to the end, a slightly heroic element to it. Um, whereas dry January is much more about giving people an opportunity to, to reflect on their relationship with alcohol, hopefully um, bring in some long-term changes in, in the way they, they deal with alcohol um, and with support from alcohol concern during that, during that month, uh, and not having that same element of, of sponsorship and doing something extraordinary. I think it's um, just to, to pick up on something Ian Hamilton said, uh, we think there are uh, maybe up to 2 million people having a dry January, but only a, a small fraction of those have, have signed up with alcohol concern formally. So I think the numbers last year were 50,000, and they're hoping that they may get 100,000 people signing up this year. Ian Hamilton, isn't any attempt to make people think about how much they're drinking, which might lead to less consumption, to be welcomed? I, I think it is. I think he, Ian Gilmore and myself um, would largely agree about that. Um, my, my concern with Dry January is the, the very um, message that Ian Gilmore just mentioned um, in terms of the triathlon. I, I think we, we can... Sometimes as health professionals, we're too immersed in this to, to maybe be clear about how other people might interpret some of these campaigns. And it's difficult to see um, another person's perspective. But my, my concern would be that people view triathlon and dry January in exactly the same way. They, they see it as uh, doing without something for a month and then revert back to their um, relationship with alcohol. So I, I would... My, my hope is the same as Ian Gilmore's. I hope people do get to the end of uh, dry January or even a couple of weeks into January and having reflected on their relationship with alcohol, think, right, I must do something about this if it's problematic or they've, even if they've noticed a benefit and that spurns them into change. But my suspicion is people just view it as a bit of a test, do it for a month or a few weeks and then go back to their uh, usual pattern of drinking, which may be hazardous, it may be risky, it may be unhealthy. And do, do you have some evidence that supports that um, conclusion? I, I don't have any direct evidence, and I guess that's, um, again, another concern with campaigns like Dry, dry January is that they're, they're a bit thin in terms of evidence. Uh, Ian Gilmore mentioned there a recent study, but again, that, that was a very small-scale study. It was self-selecting, um, and that would be my other concern, is perhaps Dry January appeals to people who don't really have uh, much to reflect on in terms of their relationship with alcohol. We're missing the groups of people completely who could do with reflecting and, more importantly, could do with some support and some professional help in changing their relationship with alcohol. Ian Gilmore, do you want to come back on any of those points? Yes, I mean, I think that's entirely fair. I think um, for, for the future, I think it would be really interesting to have some follow-up studies of the of the near two million people who do this, but are not part of um, of, of Dry January, uh, and are not getting the support and the encouragement from from alcohol concern, but certainly the PHE st 
study was encouraging. Uh, and of course, um, the evaluation that the Royal Free Hospital did of, uh, I think, about 50 or 60 people who, who would drive for a, a month was quite remarkable in terms of things like their blood pressure, their insulin resistance, their, uh, um, their, their blood glucose, their BMI, their liver stiffness, uh, things that I wouldn't have predicted would, would, would improve uh, with it within a month. But a lot of these things are, are based on fairly small numbers. We do need more research, uh, more evaluation. I think a really key point is that dry January is not aimed at people with, with possible alcohol dependencies. It's aimed at social drinkers who are, who are concerned they may be just beginning to drink too much. Uh, I think they're quite clear in their advice for very heavy drinkers. They're best to see their doctor before embarking on something like dry January because for a dependent drinker to suddenly stop can in itself be dangerous because of alcohol withdrawal. Uh, so, I, you know, I share Ian Hamilton's concerns that we, we may not be getting at the people who really are in biggest need, but I think there are other ways of doing that. I think we, Alcohol Concern has long been campaigning for better alcohol treatment services and giving more people with potential alcohol problems access to professional advice, and uh, we, we would still stick by that aim. So am I right in thinking that there is some evaluate or there has been some evaluation of, say, the 50,000 people who've actually signed up or who actually signed up last year to dry January, but the rest of the two million people who are estimated to have have, have taken part, there's there's no information about whether about what happened to them or what happened to their alcohol consumption. That's that's certainly my understanding. Um, there have been some prior evaluations. The University of Sussex looked at um, dry January a couple of years ago and showed that about 80% of participants said they'd saved money. About 60% said that they'd slept better and had more energy. And about half of them said they'd lost weight. Um, but we don't have follow-up data on, on, on whether those changes were, were sustainable or not. Ian Hamilton, what do you, what do you think about this evidence? Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't want to um, uh, be overly critical. I, I think, you know, as Ian knows, the, the evidence is really based on a few hundred self-selecting people. But beyond that, I, th I think um, clearly you wouldn't want people doing DIY, kind of do-it-yourself detoxes who are dependent. And I think that's um, it's difficult to know how they're affected by this campaign. I suppose the larger group are people who maybe aren't dependent but are drinking above the old or the new um, recommended um, number of units a week. And th those are likely to be a far larger group in number. And the, the concern I have there, and I don't know if Ian shares this, is we, we, what we do have good evidence for is people not either measuring uh, how many units they have, so how would they know um, if they're drinking above the recommended weekly or daily units, um, and also underestimating the number. So when they do, if you like, um, I'm not sure if people keep a, a particular tally of it, but if they, if they are conscious or become a bit more conscious of how much they're drinking, they, they either underestimate how much they drink um, or, as I say, they just don't record it. So how, how would people know beyond some very extreme physical or mental examples know that their drinking was risky? So mm -hmm. it's that larger group that I would be concerned about. And my suspicion, I've nothing to back it up, my suspicion is dry January 
Um, while I'm, you know, I would support it completely in this idea of reflecting on your alcohol use, I, th I think is appealing to people who perhaps um, are at the lower end of the risk scale when it comes to mm. alcohol consumption. What do you think about that, Ian Gilmore? Do you have any? any yes, uh, it, it, uh, we keep on coming back to the fact that we don't have a lot of evidence <laughs> and much of it is anecdotal, but I, I was very uh, um, impressed when I, I did a thing with a BBC uh, reporter, a, a woman about two years ago who decided to, to, to um, give up for a month and I interviewed her during the month. And she clearly was at the upper end. She was in the journalist's level of consumption, probably, you know, 40 to 50 units a week. And she was absolutely amazed how much better she felt within a few days, how much better she was sleeping. She talked about her complexion and so on, which I can't particularly empathize with. But in all sorts of ways, um, she felt remarkably better. And certainly, I know at the Royal Free, when they talked to these to the subjects who, who were dry for a month, and, and they, they were at the, they were above the, uh, the guidelines. They were what we would call hazardous drinkers, you know, up to about 50 units a week. That almost all said how much more energy they had and how much better they slept. And I think there is a quite a significant percentage of the population that are, you know, that are not sleeping as so much as, as sedated by alcohol at night. And, and are not getting the benefits. So I think, I think some of these people really will um, get the message just because they feel so much better. I'd agree, and I think the, um, the difficulty is knowing how people get to the point of thinking, right, I need to do something. Um, so, so the BBC reporter you or journalist you mentioned, um, you know, I think probably is very typical of a lot of people. But, it, but um, obviously, you need to, you need something to trigger that 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 thought or that change that I need to do something about my alcohol use. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think there may be some people who just um, see this as a bit more nagging. It's another uh, spoiler on something they enjoy and just switch off completely. Um, but I agree with you. you know, I think you know I'm with you 100%. I think the benefits of um, giving up alcohol or, or reducing alcohol certainly are, are fairly quick. Um, so people get that reward, as you say, of sleeping better, of feeling more energetic, even complexion or um, losing weight, etc. So I, I think there are, there are. I'm, I've no doubt there are benefits. I've no doubt um, that once people have made that decision that they should do something about it, they can implement a change. It's just getting to that point. Um, I'm not sure how much dry January does that. No, I think, I, I think just if you know, it, it, is not, it is not a panacea, uh, no. and clearly it, you know, it, it has to be combined with, with other measures like looking at price, availability, marketing, the things we know that really would make a major difference to the burden of harm. But I think if, if a significant percentage of that two million do change their, uh, change their, their lifestyle in a, in a meaningful and sustainable way, then uh, I think the, the, the campaign won't have been wasted. Yeah. Do, do you have any concerns, Ian, about people who might view it as, I only need to do a month and then go back to how I was? Yes, I think there, there is a, there is a real risk, and I think that applies particularly I think to triathlon, which is seen as a 
as a fundraising um, maneuver, uh, as much as as a um, you know as a, as a health improvement tool. And I know that cancer you. Cancer Research UK do rely heavily on that on that income, and so mm-hmm. it puts alcohol concern in a difficult position in their discussions of trying to come together to a single single message and a single theme. But there is a real risk uh, that people will say, "Yes, job done. I can go back. I can celebrate and go back to what I was doing before. My body's been detoxed. I can drink what I like for the next 11 months." And so it really is important that the campaigns are underpinned by by the health messages that that is not that is not no. the case. I mean, the, the whole unit discussion, which has um, been focused on again today, just shows how complicated some of these messages are. And even when you try and simplify them, um, it can have unintended consequences as well. I mean, we'll have to see how the current uh, guidance plays out. But um, it, it is very difficult trying to meet, you know, reach a large audience as Dry January does, but with quite a, a nuanced and subtle message nonetheless. I mean, Ian Gilmore, do you think that the campaigns are doing enough to uh, make it clear that, uh, uh, you know, it's about long-term sustainable change rather than just just what happens over one month and also that dependent drinkers maybe, you know, should seek medical help rather than attempting <coughs> this on their own? Well, I have to say I don't know enough about the triathlon campaign and I've not been involved with that, but I... I do know that alcohol concern uh, take that very seriously, and, and they are quite clear from the start what the aim of this is. And it's not about um, a month's detox; it's about allowing people to 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 um, realign their relationship with alcohol in in the long term, and uh, allowing them to 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 be reassured that they're not dependent, but also to see how much better they feel uh, when they're not drinking, and therefore. Not, not seeking that they should be, become teetotal, although a percentage do. I think something like 8% of those in the follow-up series had stopped drinking completely, and there's no, no problem with that. Um, but I think they, they, their messaging is, is very clear what this is about, and I think that, that is, as, as Ian has emphasised, really important. Ian Hamilton, how would you like to see uh, these, these campaigns run differently, or what would you like to see instead of these campaigns? Well, as I say, I I don't want to um, appear as though I I don't think Dry January has any benefit. I think the campaign, um, the great thing about the campaign is it receives the attention it does. You know, as as Ian mentioned right at the beginning, if if it helps some people reflect on their relationship with alcohol, that's a real benefit. I, I guess... I'm imagining we're we're both thinking the same thing would be helpful, and that's more evidence about how these type of campaigns um, play out to different groups. So um, I'm not as confident as Ian is that um, people who are, are at highest risk and even medium risk won't um, start um, perhaps in a harmful way or in a dangerous way abruptly stopping their alcohol use. I think some people may. Um, and it doesn't need to be a, a large number for us to be concerned. It might only be a few people. So I, th- I think understanding the effect of these uh, cam- very broad public health messages really is what we're talking about, uh, just delivered in a slightly different format. How they play out with different groups and gathering some evidence around that would be really helpful and may even help um, alcohol concern in dry January uh, with their own um, future campaigns in terms of mark, uh, uh, um, targeting 
the information at different groups in different ways. We we don't know how, you know, things like health literacy, for example, the, the way people interpret information around risk and health mm. plays out through dry January, for instance. Sure. And I, I think there's an opportunity for um, liaison uh, with international groups here because, uh, for example, there's a dry July in Australia, which yeah. is the middle of their, of their winter. And I've been in touch with them. And, uh, you know, I think there's a real opportunity to get some well-constructed trials with proper evaluation, proper, you know, proper selection of, 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 of different uh, groups within that. That was Ian Gilmore and Ian, Ian Hamilton talking about uh, campaigns uh, to encourage a month's abstinence from alcohol. You can read the full debate and join in by sending rapid responses on thebmj.com. Thanks for listening.